Hear now the word of God. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one, and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. The grass withers, the flower falls, but God's word abides forever. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, again we are confronted with such a glorious revelation of both our need and your grace. Though looking at it from another perspective as uh, we have in verses 1 through 10, yet it is so powerful. There's so much here that needs to be considered in so little time. So we ask, O oh Lord, that you would grant the ability to hear and the preacher the ability to preach your word. That we would hear with ears that are open, ears that opened by the Spirit of God. Enable us, O Lord, to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today through your word. And we pray also that you would open our hearts, that this word would be planted in, that we wouldn't forget it, but that it would bring forth fruit for your glory. Fruit of the Spirit, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Loving in the Lord Jesus Christ, the scriptures talk about the power of darkness. 
power of darkness. Paul in particular said, we were once in the kingdom of darkness. We're born in the kingdom of darkness. The rule, the the magistrate, the authority, the jurisdiction, the mastery of the devil. You were once, we all were once, in the kingdom of darkness, under the power of darkness. And thus there is a war going on, a war with God, against God. All around us is a war against God. We see evidence of it, but it's everywhere. There is that sense of warfare. We see it on different levels. Sometimes it's obvious. You ever had that situation where you, oh, I know the devil's involved in this situation right now. Divide and conquer, right? Sometimes it's pretty obvious. But sometimes it's very subtle, the warfare that we fight. But all the time, it's deadly. Separation, alienation from God, whose life, it is deadly. And so Paul here in this letter speaks about that deadliness, that alienation, and then brings us to that glorious truth of reconciliation. That we are reconciled to God. We were alienated from God from birth and through our life. And now, praise the Lord, we are reconciled to God. What is more important than that? Think about it. What's more important in life? Is there anything? Money? Fame? Acceptance by men? Is there anything more important than being reconciled to God? I'm glad you're shaking your head no. Nothing. Without that, what do you have? You have death. Eternal destruction from the presence of the Lord. What can a man gain in the world apart from Christ? Nothing. That's what Paul starts off with. And then he celebrates what Christ has done. And so the outline is there. Reconciled to God. What is more important? Nothing without God. All life is meaningless. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. All praise be to God who reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and... Here's a privilege we've been given, has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. We've been entrusted with a word that brings warring parties together. We've been called to be peacemakers through our Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel. He brings warring parties, God and man, together. He does. But he does it through us. You ever thought of yourself as a peacemaker? You're called to be an instrument of peace. We, united as the church, are called and empowered to be servants of reconciliation in a world at war with God, which is what I started with. Okay, with that in mind, let us consider again If you remember, what is this letter about? If you were to summarize this letter in one word, it would be, anybody been listening? It's a letter of grace. What is this book about? What's the name of the church? Grace. Help. Okay. 
All right, it's a letter of grace. So what did we see? We saw in chapter 1, all the way through verse 14, the great blessings, the grace of God, all the blessings we have in Christ. And then secondly, the great purpose and power of God in verses 15 through 23. And then we came to uh, chapter 2, the great need we have in Adam, that God shows by grace you have been saved through faith. And now we come to the great need again as Gentiles. We're all Gentiles. Was Abraham a Gentile when he was an Ur of the Chaldeans? When he was uncircumcised, was he considered a Gentile? Was he a Goy? And the answer is yes. He was a Gentile. We all were. We're all, we're all Gentiles. Okay? Here, the great need that we have as Gentiles. And so we'll just do this, try to do this pretty quick. Look back at this verse. Notice what he says in verse 11. Therefore, because of what I just said in chapters 1 through 10, you are God's workmanship created into Christ Jesus beforehand that we should conduct our lives, walk in them. Verse 10, therefore, remember, remember what? That you were once Gentiles in the flesh. So he's just spent this time talking about the glorious gospel and that we're redeemed and that we are his work of art. And then he says, but you need to remember, don't forget, bring to mind again what you were. Why? Why be so negative, Paul? Why don't we just go on? Because we need to hear it. Right? That's my best answer to that question is because I guess we need to hear it again to be able to be appreciative of what God has done. So, remember. So what is it that he says we're to remember? Number one, we're Gentiles in the flesh. We were Gentiles in the flesh. We were living in the corruption of our nature. Uh, the Gentiles were looked upon by the Jews as unclean, sep separated from God. And isn't that what he's talking about? Separation, alienation from God. Gentiles were morally corrupt, or you could use the word wicked. Were you wicked? Were you wicked before Christ came into your life? Is that, would, that, would that be God's definition of you? Hard to hear, right? Oh, I, I may be a bad person, but I'm not wicked. <laughs> well, that's the designation of a Gentile, was a wicked person separated from God. Notice, furthermore, uncircumcised. In other words, without God's ordained mark of distinction. You did not belong to the people of God. And again, you're unholy. You are separate. In other words, uncircumcision was a sign of estrangement from God. Also a term of derision by the Jews. You're a loser because you're uncircumcised. You're out there. You're a dog. You're unclean. That's kind of hard to hear, right? But here's the one that really strikes me. Without Christ, without the messianic hope, without a purposeful destiny, without atonement and redemption, without access to God. Christ is our only mediator and redeemer. If you're without Christ, you're without a mediator. You're without a redeemer. 
You're outside. You're without Christ. To be cursed. He goes on to say, you're aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Did you know you're an alien in Adam? What a strange thought. We're not talking about aliens, but we're talking about aliens from the covenant people of God. In other words, you are without the rights of citizenship in the kingdom of God, in the church. They and we did not belong to Christ's church. They and we did not enjoy the privileges of Christ's church, communion, community, fellowship, and so on. They, we, did not belong. Though we were, many of us, born and raised in the church, we were aliens. We were without a home. We were strangers from the covenants of promise. The covenants that were made with Abraham, Genesis 12, 15, 17. Covenants made with Isaac, Genesis 26. Jacob, Genesis 28. Or Israel, Exodus 19 as a nation. Or Exodus 24. David, for a second Samuel 7. All of those covenants we had nothing to do with. We were totally separated from those. No promise we could cling to. No word from God is another way of saying it. Having no hope for the future because we had no Messiah, we had no commonwealth, we had no promises, we had no resurrection promises except for destruction. We're hopeless in Adam. And he goes on to say, without God in the world or without the true God, God had forsaken Adam and his children including us. Without a knowledge or relationship with the true God, left with a vain worship of false gods. That's what Paul is saying. Pretty pretty dark, isn't it? Again, like I said last time when we got to chapter uh, 2, verses 1 through 3, he paints a very dark picture. Or black velvet. It's a bad, bad situation that we were in in Adam. Remember, Why do I want to think about that? That's really a bummer. That's really depressing, Pastor. Why did you do that to us? Well, because Paul did it to them and us. We need to hear this, I guess. Why? Notice again, exciting. I think it's exciting. Verse 13, what does he say? But now. Where have I heard that before? But now. But God. Where have I heard that before? Well, that's what he did in verse 4, right? He painted that black picture. We, we're dead in trespasses and sins. He went on, and then he said, but God is rich in mercy. What does he do this here? But now, verse 13, in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Exactly. I think that's part of the motivation here is that we would say, thank you, Jesus. But now, well, that was what you were in Adam. If I'm not in Adam anymore, and now I'm in Christ Jesus, I'm reconciled to God, and I have peace with God and with his children. But now, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Jesus is the Prince of Peace for me. He's my 
Prince of Peace. He's your Prince of Peace. He is the one who brings us back together with God. That's what Paul is saying here. Beginning in verse 13. Notice verse 14. For he himself is our peace. He is our peace. Do you have peace with God? Only if you have Jesus, is what he's saying. Are you in Christ Jesus? Is everybody born in Christ Jesus? No, we're all born, help me, in Adam. How do you become in Christ Jesus? You believe the gospel. You're born again by the Spirit of God. He grants you faith and you believe the gospel. And you are reconciled. He is our peace. Who has made both one. He's talking about the Jews and the Gentiles. He's brought us all together as one in Christ. He's broken down the middle wall of separation. So you can claim, if you're in Christ, that I'm a Jew. I'm a praise unto God. That's what the word means. Abraham's my father. Paul says that to the Gentiles and Galatians. He heard the gospel, he believed, and we're related to Abraham by faith. He separated that. So I'm no longer a goy. I'm no longer a Gentile in God's eyes. I belong to the covenant people of God. And so are you. That's what he's saying. Having abolished, verse 15, in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained therein, uh, so as to create, notice that, in himself, in Christ, one new man from the two, thus making peace. One new man in Christ. We are one in Christ. We are the body of Christ. We are the new creation, new creatures in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What happened at the cross? What happened to the curtain in the temple? The, the curtain that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. When Jesus died on the cross, what happened to that curtain? It was torn. Was it torn bottom to top or top to bottom? Top to bottom. What does that symbolize? It is God who's removing the separation. Can you imagine being a priest in that holy place at that moment when that veil is ripped in two and now there's no longer a distinction between the holy of holies and the holy place? And if you don't come into the holy of holies the right way, you die. All of a sudden now there's access into the very holy presence of God. Isaiah 6. That's what we experience in Christ. That wall of separation, that curtain of the temple has been rent. The wall to the, that separated the court of the Gentiles from the rest of the temple was removed. We have access. We have boldness. We can come into the Holy of Holies with boldness and ask for help. I don't know if you realize how important 
or what a blessing. The Jews didn't have that. The typical Jewish believer in the Old Testament could not go into the temple, could not go into the Holy of Holies. The priests could not go into the Holy Even the high priest could not go into the Holy of Holies except for once a year with blood sprinkling as he's going. But we have access into the heavenlies, into the holy presence of God. Notice in verse 15 and 16, having abolished in his flesh that enmity, the warfare, Again, verse 16, that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. Warfare. Where did the warfare start? God started in the garden because of the fall. I said enmity. When did the enmity stop with you and God? When Jesus died on the cross for your sins. When it was applied to you by the Holy Spirit, when you believed. He abolished it in his flesh. He has made peace. Praise the Lord. And so what does it say? It says about Jesus, he came, verse 17, and preached peace to whom? To you who were afar off and to those that are near. We both need that peace of the cross. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Check that out. Is the Trinity mentioned there? The word Trinity mentioned in verse 18? No. Is the Trinity mentioned there in verse 18? I'll read it again. For through Jesus, we have access by one Spirit to the Father. Triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We have access we have the Spirit living with us. We have access. We can pray, Abba, Father. We can pray, our Father who art in heaven. And he hears us. He says, yes, my son. Yes, my daughter. Is that our privilege? We're reconciled to the Father through the Spirit by the Son is what he's saying. What a great privilege that we have. And notice that it is a necessity. It is If we love God... And we love our neighbor. Do we want them to experience the same thing we have? I don't really care if they go to heaven or hell. Is that a frightening thought? Is that an attitude that we have? Oh, it's me and Jesus. Okay, I'm good to go. But I don't really care about anybody else. Now, I know your, your thought is, oh, perish the thought. That's just really wrong, right? Do we fall into that? Do we? Do you care about the eternal state of the people you come into contact with? You pray, at least pray for them. Lord, have mercy on their soul. I especially pray for them, a person that cuts me off, you know, I'm driving along and someone cuts in front of me and I can usually say things that I don't want to really say. What do I normally say? God, have mercy on their soul because if they drive like that, they're going to die. And so, please have mercy on their soul. Do you pray for the mercy, God's mercy upon those that are in Adam? Your family members? Co-workers? Is that something we should do? Are we called to be peacemakers? The most important peace is peace with God. So there we see the preaching of peace. Jesus came and preached peace to you. Okay, 
You made it through it. All right. Through Christ, reconciled to God and at peace with God and his children. My third point, and that's verses 19 through 22. I thought for sure that I wasn't going to get this far within the time. I was going to have to stop at this time, but I'm going to press on. We're down to about four verses. Um, I I feel bad because I'm not really developing this very well, but please forgive me. Third point. In Christ, we have unity and growth. But notice the growth of what? The dwelling place of God. Talks about the church, the people of God as a building. But it's a building that grows. There's an organic nature to it. It grows like our physical body grows. Again, listen to that. In whom, verse 21, the whole body being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Peter says we're living stones in the temple of God. Lively stones, but living stones. So in Christ there's a unity. It's a building. We are intimately united to God through Jesus Christ, and we are united with one another. And notice how he says that. Verse 19. Now, again, so so it was you uh, once, but... Now, and now we come to verse 19. Now, now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. What did he say earlier? We were strangers and foreigners in Adam, but that's not you anymore. That's not your identity. Your your identity is not your sin. Your identity is Christ. Now that that being said, but now you are fellow citizens... And with the saints and members of the household of God. You have a new identity. Who are you? I belong to Jesus. I belong to the family of God. God is my father. I am his son and daughter. He's adopted me. He claims me as his own. That's my identity. I'm a saint. I'm, I'm a set-apart one, holy for God. Isn't that what he's saying? Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, there I believe he's talking about the Bible, isn't he? The apostles and prophets, what did they give to what did the Lord use them to be that foundation? Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. We all, all the church is built upon the Word of God and especially Jesus Christ. So let's get into application. And In order to really develop application, we'll be doing that, chapters 4 through 6 in this letter. So, But let's stop with that first. There's only one command in this whole passage, and that is the word remember, verse 11. Remember. In other words, understand. Remember, understand. Believe it. Receive it. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul said, and you shall be saved is that just a temporary or a, or is there a continuing salvation or sanctification that's going on in your life yeah. 
we're saved by faith, and that's a once for only, but is there a continuing work of the Spirit in our lives making us more like Jesus? And that is also salvation, right? We are saved, we are being, you know, uh, we are saved, we're being saved, and we will be saved. Does that sound weird? If anybody has a problem with that, confusing as it sounds, come see me. Paul talks that language, uses that language, about being saved. Yet he says he's saved. He's being saved. Anyways, uh, okay, theological concept. If you have a problem with it, come talk to me. How about this one? Rejoice in Christ, the Prince of Peace. Is that a good good thing to do? Good way to respond. Thank you, Jesus, for being my, my, my peace, for being the Prince of Peace, one that can reconcile me with those that I am unreconciled with. Do you have anybody that you're un- unreconciled with? He's the P- Prince of Peace, the Reconciler. And so he commands us in chapter 4, verse 3, endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Guard, promote that unity. It reflects the peace we have with God and the peace we have with one another. In verse 7 of chapter 4, he says, use your gifts to grow up, to mature. In verses 17 through 20, he says again, he'll come back and say, now don't walk like you when you were a Gentile. Don't walk like the Gentiles. Don't conduct your life like the Gentiles. Put off that and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. These are different ways of saying thank you to God, of walking in that unity. Now here's a question. Can you do this in your own strength? I can do it. I remember our young, our young children when they were little, like some of these, I can do it. I can do that. Did it Paul ever say, I can do it? Through Christ who strengthens me? I can do what? All things. Through Christ. Can I do all things by myself? No. Who gets the glory? Christ does, right? If I'm doing something and Christ is doing it through me. This was the message I gave to David at his ordination charge. You're going to be a complete failure in the ministry. But through Christ. Well, here's the amazing thing. and I'll bring it. I almost lost it during that message, and I hope I don't lose it now. But it is my prayer for you, as I said, for David. On that day, we stand before Christ. What do you want to hear him say? Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. But, but Jesus, I failed you. I failed you in keeping all of this. I failed you miserably throughout my life. I've sinned many times. I am, I, I don't deserve But he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And what does the catechism say? The reward comes not of merit, but of grace. 
It is Christ working through you, in you, and through you, that he is glorified. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we do come to you, and we thank you for that promise. Yes, as we examine ourselves and we've seen what we are in Adam, and also we rejoice in who we are in Christ, and now we are called to remember and to rejoice and to walk in who we are in Christ, we are reminded that we will fail. And yet, in Christ, we are accepted. And through Christ, we can overcome for your glory and purpose. So we pray, O Lord, that you would enable us to appreciate what we are, what we have, and to share it with others and to live it in front of all. Do that work, Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us respond to God's word by giving of his tithes and our offerings.